Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Sea Glass Blue by Mel Forbes on AO3. Rating General Audiences. Chapter 13. They sit side by side on the edge of the bed and face the wide window. Look out at the ocean. Tonight, the moonlight brightens the waves, the ocean seemingly far more vast than it was this morning. And he thinks about how they went into the water right before having dinner, how there must still be salt on their skin. Her hands are folded on her lap. If he leans to his right, then he'll bump her hip. Though he's taken off his shoes, left them alongside her little sandals in the entryway, he's still wearing his sweater, and she's still wearing her dress. He feels both 16 and his own age simultaneously. What should he say? In his imagination, this was all so easy. And tonight, it had even been easy. For she reached for his hand on the steering wheel as he drove them home, and she kissed him against the door of the cottage, night air cool and bright around them, and she took off her shoes in the entryway and then looked up at him, Kubrick's stare, before leading him into the bedroom. But then everything stopped. Did he do something wrong? The more he stares out the empty summer house, the vast ocean, the skyline with no mountains, no hills, nothing to soften the intensity, the more he thinks that they're making some kind of cosmic mistake. According to certain traditions, they haven't consummated their marriage yet, and though he would never follow such traditions, he glances at her folded hands and wonders if they've done something terribly wrong. I'm sorry, she says. Of course she does. Of course she's apologizing for reasons neither of them can determine. I'm nervous. Though he could comfort her, could hold her hand, and tell her there's nothing to be nervous about, he winces at the thought, for he's nervous too, and he knows that arbitrary comfort won't help. He's nervous because they've both been taught that sex, particularly marital sex, is monumentous. He's nervous because he's in love with her. He's nervous because a first time either feels gargantuan or minuscule, either important or just get it over with. Like all things in their marriage, he wants sex to be normal. He wants everything to be normal. He wants to make exactly the lunch she wants without having to ask her what she wants first. He wants to kiss her in the right spot, to rent the right movies, to read the proper books, and to hold the hand she wishes to have held and to smile the perfect smile during holiday celebrations with her family. It's not pressure so much as hope, a hope that they can stay together, a hope that their marriage is more than an impulsive fling because she was dying. No matter what anyone else thinks of their marriage, he wants it to be real, to be right. He hopes to never give her a reason why their marriage is incomplete in some way. He hopes she'll never see another couple and wish they had some part of what that couple had but it's just their first time. No, it's not, he tells himself, leaping from one extreme to another. It's just sex. But at the same time, it's more than just sex. But at the same time, it's sex. End of sentence. Nothing more to add. At least they both want it. At least they're nervous because they both want it. Me too, he says awkwardly, then looks at her, trying not to make eye contact, but still trying to gauge her reaction. She's hard to read. At important moments, She's always hard to read. He can't remember the last time he had sex. He doesn't know if that's because it's been a long time or because his last time was unmemorable. If he knew what she liked as well as he knew her, this would be so much easier. Their marriage has been a series of first dates. Reaching for her, he brings one of his hands over the top of her clasp ones, 
and she stares down at their hands, a peace offering, an understanding. We're feeling the same things right now. Taking a deep breath, she tries to find the right words, manages. I need to warn you about something. Softly, he squeezes her hand, and she swallows, and the room is so quiet that he can hear her jaw move. The medications I'm on, she says, voice thick. He can suddenly feel her own nervousness, a foreign feeling coming into his body, distinctly hers and not his. Embarrassment, then, not nervousness. They can make it so I can't. He wonders if his world has been shaped by the sparse and either clinical or derogatory words used about sex. In some ways, all porn is ultimately like the garbage tapes he keeps. And at least those tapes don't act as if they're superior to the word cock. If he could mentally fill in the sentence for her, he would. But frankly, he doesn't know what she means. Do the drugs keep her from orgasming? If so, then he's kind of relieved, but angry with himself for being kind of relieved. They make it so I can't lubricate, she says. And the word feels wrong, feels embarrassing, clinical and detached and loveless. But that's not so bad, is it? Awkward, maybe, but all sex is awkward. Or is it? He nods absentmindedly, says, okay. I bought lubricated condoms, she says. More to the window than him. We should be all right. Yeah. Beyond them, the waves come into shore, smoothing the little stones on these beaches. How strange it is for beaches to be associated with sand. When he called to make a dinner reservation, the woman on the phone told him that the restaurant had a sandy beach out back the sand having been trucked in to create a tourism draw. He couldn't understand the point of trucking in sand when soft, smooth stones lined the beach instead, worn down from years of ebb and flow, soft to the touch. And even the sharper parts, he doesn't mind. He wonders why it's so easy to forget that many sandy beaches are full of broken glass and plastic, washed-up jellyfish, and sharp bits left behind. He wonders why people lie to themselves about how nice the beach is. But their little piece of beach out front of the cottage is beautiful. He likes sitting down there to watch the sunset. He likes that lobster buoys have started popping up in the harbor. The occasional boat dwaddling by in the morning. Now the state is gearing up for summer, for crowds, and for fishing, and for warmth. Lots of warmth. He likes watching the state bloom. He likes sitting next to her and watching the waves come in. The dark world around them, the same navy color as her dress. And her dress. She takes back her hands and brings them to the tie of her dress. Slowly undoes the bow there. Let's go of the fabric ribbon. Meeting his gaze, she peels the dress off her shoulders, the material pulling behind her body, her body bare in front of him. He shouldn't be clothed while she's undressed. He knows he shouldn't be, but for a moment, he can't move, can't think. He wonders how many parts of her body have seen sun. At first, he can only look at her stomach, for that feels like a proper place to look, somewhere neutral, and her skin moves as she breathes. He wants to touch her in the same way he wanted to touch plaster carvings on walls as a child. He wants that smooth, soft sensation against his fingers, but some part of him argues that that's not allowed, that he's only meant to look. Tonight, she has on a bra that's flesh-colored and unwired, comfortable, unceremonial, He doesn't know what to do next because nothing he can do will adequately show her what he's feeling. Instead, he pulls his sweater off over his head, taking the undershirt with him. He undoes his belt, pulls it out of his belt loops, pushes off his pants. 
Now they're equal, and it's her turn. So she reaches out and touches his chest, her hand so gentle, painfully gentle. If he has to speak, he knows he won't say anything worthwhile. We'll stumble through awkward and meaningless words. So instead, he reaches for her, his arm wrapping around her back, his lips coming to hers. He's kissed her in this room many times before. He's kissed her in a hospital and in the aisles of the grocery store and down on the beach while they watch the sunset and right after breakfast, right as he's trying to ask her what they should do today, right as she's deflecting the question because honestly, she doesn't care. And he will kiss her on her deathbed. He will kiss her back home at her apartment. Their days are numbered just like everyone else's. Her blue and white couch becoming the most romantic place in the world. He kissed her in front of her parish. Kissed her for the first time there. And at this point, he can't remember every single kiss after that. Some of them blurring together. Did he kiss her before he went out to pick up dinner a few nights ago? Did he kiss her before she walked down the steps in order to watch the sunset on the beach yesterday? But now... There's no better place to kiss than in a makeshift bedroom in a rented cottage. And she can't... And she can'ts towards him, her bare legs tangling up with his, and it all feels easy. It feels easy because he knows she wants this too. She wants his palms flat and gentle on her back. And she wants him to push her hair behind her ears before he kisses her again. And she wants his lips on her neck in the same places where she dabbed perfume before they left for dinner. She wants him to touch her. She lets him undo the clasp on her bra, doesn't even make fun when he struggles with it, and he lets her grip the waistband of his underwear, take them off of him, and the whole time, she's smiling, and he thinks he might be smiling too. Underneath her pillcase on the bedside table, she kept the package of condoms he pretended he hadn't seen in their shopping cart. This morning, when he brought her certain pills, the package hadn't been there. But now, she reaches over and takes one out, tears the box open. Trojan foil next to her wedding ring. Even in the dark, he can see her cheeks are pink, a good kind of pink. She's naked before him, her head on his pillow, and his heart is beating too fast, and he likes all of it. Taking the condom from her, he kisses her, then puts it on. If it were summer, he'd be too warm to hold her afterward, but it's not summer. In the living room, the windows are still open from the morning, getting the stuffy air out. April is almost over, and she's panting beside him, bodies close her palm against his side, his thumb running over the bumps of her lower spine. There is a strange human satisfaction in holding another person close. Though he should be afraid of the way her chest rises and falls, watch for a hitch in her breath or painful stillness. For once, he's calm alongside her. For once, he feels as if neither of them will ever die. When he exhales, she tugs him closer. Her breath is warm against his skin. If he listens closely, He can hear how the waves outside keep time with her breathing. He can hear how clearly they both are a part of this world. Remember this, he thinks, his mind filled with thoughtless fog, but those words standing out. Remember this. Closing his eyes, he focuses on each sense, the way he was told to while writing papers in college. He can feel her skin, soft and light, pale because she wears so much sunscreen. He wonders if she could burn indoors. The beat of her heart, bodies close the sharp edges of her spine, the way she pulls him closer. She still smells like her perfume. She smells like lavender deodorant and the soap they share in the shower. If he opens his eyes, what will he see? Her hair shimmery and red, so red, and eyes that are bright and blue even in the darkness. In some ways, he's seen her like this so many times before, but now she's more open to him, a book he wants to reread. 
remember this. He wants to remember that. For a short and fleeting time, he was hers and she was his. Or maybe it wasn't so short and fleeting. Maybe he was hers from the first time she stepped into his office or from when she came to his motel room and asked him to look at the marks on her back. At times, he hurt because she was the only one for him. But now, he's never been more thankful that she's his person, his one and only. Now, there's no one else he needs to find, nowhere else he needs to be. Remember this. Remember this. Remember every part of it, for someday, she'll be gone. He focuses on everything. He's going to remember everything. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there.